You're listening to Not Another Origin Story. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. Hi, uh, Ben Chapman couldn't be here. He was cut from the podcast. He's been replaced by Richard Lester. Doing a... Oh, wait, Richard Lester's the director. I was thinking of whoever was the <laughs> Gene Hackman impersonator. Oh, yeah. yeah, Ben has been replaced by a shoddy impersonator. Who yeah, you should have done an imitation of your show. You should be like, all right, this is bad. It's <laughs> like... <laughs> Only shoot me from a back profile. <laughs> don't show my face. And, like, don't let me ever hear what Gene Hackman sounds like. Mm-hmm. Just get a guy to be like, sound gruff. Close <laughs> enough. <laughs> what do you think the name Gene Hackman would sound like if it was a person? Just go with that vibe. I mean, it is <laughs> It is so aggressively not his voice that I just wonder who filmed that and was like, yeah, nobody will notice. Someone was just like, hey, we got the, the sort of gravitas of Marlon Brando for the last movie. What can we do that's the exact opposite? Is it is it get some guy from the janitorial service to imitate Gene Hackman? I think that's what we can go for. And like, over, like act as if he's on like a, a very bad stage production. Like he overacts like whenever they show him from behind. He's like all hand movements. He reminds me of uh, the Steinbrenner character from Seinfeld, where it's just like all over the top hand movements. Yes, yeah, yeah you're right. Always shot from the back left. Yeah, always shot from the back left. Lots of gestures and bad ADR. Yeah, and aggressively not sounding like the person they're actually portraying. Because if you ever actually hear that guy really speak, he sounds nothing like Larry David. Uh, Hi. Hi. Welcome to our episode on Superman 2, which apparently has already started. Yes, and it has Seinfeld, who loves Superman, so it works. It's fine. Uh, this movie was an interesting watch. Uh, as Ben mentioned, this film was actually Superman and Superman 2 were filmed at the same time. Uh, yeah, this is... Well, not 100%, but they were supposed to be filmed at the same time to make two separate movies. This is a fucking goddamn masterpiece, Pogues, is what it is. Is, is they <laughs> took, they took the best parts of, of both scripts, and they just, just, just duct taped them together. Plot yeah, holes and everything. It's, it's... It is insane. <laughs> what I saw was, there, there was a bit of IMDb trivia... Because I was trying to – I was reading up because I couldn't remember which one got replaced, if it was Lester replaced Donner or the other way around. And I was reading some of the IMDb trivia just to see if there was ever like a real specific reason. And one of the things said uh, they threw out the old script and took out all the campy bits and put in a much more serious film. And I was like, where the fuck is that movie? Because <laughs> this movie is 100 percent camp. There's not a serious, well-thought-out line in this I, entire film. I do know what they're saying, though. There are moments that are dealing with, like, really intense subjects, like Superman losing his powers and being beaten by, like, some trucker in a bar. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty dark a little bit. And then, like, a scene later is, like... Is 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 General Zod like destroying New York and some guy loses his ice cream and we go oh, we go yeah. zoom on that. <laughs> we gotta we gotta really get into the ending. We'll get but we'll let's save that. The best movie in the world. Uh, so they filmed these movies concurrently somewhat. There was some sort of disagreement with the producers. I, I couldn't find what the exact disagreement was. If it was over the tone or if they just decided they didn't like Richard Donner, but they removed him. And then did aggressive reshooting, and right. Uh, uh, apparently, no one on the set got along with Richard Lester. Yeah, except that, for like Christopher Reeves, apparently was fine, but like all of the supporting cast could not stand him. It was it was a challenging production because um, Richard Donner's original vision was to create a two part, like a four hour long Superman movie, 
and then, you know, like, split it into Superman Part 1 and Superman Part 2. He only got about, like, 60% through that project before the studio, way, he was way over budget and way over schedule. So the studio made him just go, I just fucking finish Superman 1, dude. Just get it done, and then we can go on to the sequel. So he, like, sort of wrapped production on 1, finished the editing, did reshoots, whatever. And then it was expected that he would come back and finish, like, that half a movie he had done. Uh, and make that Superman 2. But I, I don't know, studio concerns, contract problems, I don't really know for sure. Um, he never came back. And Gene Hackman refused to reshoot with someone new. Uh, other other actors refused to reshoot with, like, a new director. Uh, uh, I think Margot Kidder was, you know, came back, but didn't necessarily want to work with someone that wasn't Donner. She was very loyal to Donner. So someone, this guy Richard Lester, who wasn't that experienced at the time, had to piece together a Superman 2 out of what was left of Donner's work and whatever else he thought would be cool. And what yeah. comes out is a two-hour and seven-minute... Just train wreck of, like, <laughs> what is clearly two separate films. Like, you can tell yeah. Yeah, almost can shot tell. for shot which is the which is Lester and which is Donner because Lester has a much, like, like a TV show, like, filming mentality where it's all, like... And I read they said he did, like, the three cameras that just capture, like, the close-ups and the long shots so that they only have to do one take of something, which is not usually how film is made. <laughs> That's more of, like, a TV show thing is to film with multiple cameras so that you can save time. So it, it, I, it's definitely crazy some of the stuff that they do. Yeah, you can identify it, and it's jarring. But to catch you up in case it's been a while since you listened to our Superman 1 episode, or never did, uh, Superman 1, which came out in 78, this movie came out two years later in 1980 or 1981, depending on where you were, uh, it starred, uh, obviously, Chris Reeve in both movies and Margot Kidder playing the core roles of Superman and Lois. Gene Hackman returned, reprised his role, although this time he was actually bald. If I, if I recall, he was not bald in Superman 1, despite... No, well, he wears a toupee. Yeah, that's right. It's confusing, but... It's a, it's a horrible reveal that he's wearing a toupee. <laughs> um, and so Superman 1 is the classic origin story. Uh, but interestingly enough, in the opening of Superman 1, and this is how you can tell it was shot, meaning, meaning to be one sort of two-part film, is that the intro shows uh, Jor-El, played by Marlon Brando, trapping uh, General Zod, Nan, and uh, Vond, I think Vonda... Uh, into the into the Phantom Zone and no, Ursa, Ursa, right, and then and then casting them off into space, which is great because as we were watching it, we're like, wait, those are the villains of the sequel. But yeah, it's it's very weird. You can go if you go and listen to the podcast. We both are confused why a movie starts with the origin of three characters that never appear again. It makes sense when you read the backstory, but yeah, in this context, it's so fucking weird. Like, you've got plenty of origin story to already deal with in Superman 1, but you gotta throw in extra character origins, and then don't cut it. Like, I don't... Anyway, Superman 2 <laughs> opens with those characters. Now, the Richard Donner cut opened with, uh, like, the sort of missile rescue sequence that happens in this movie. It opens right there, and then starts... Oh, rescue sequence... We remember in the the the, the, the Paris uh, like Superman flies to oh, Paris, right? God, and yeah. and, and rescues Paris <laughs> from the, to block some hydrogen the hydrogen bomb. So the hydrogen so the daughter bomb cut which is stored in a forty pound <laughs> or a forty gallon oil drum. The daughter that's cut. That's not how hydrogen bombs can be worked. 
The daughter cut starts with a similar sequence in which a missile's launched. Uh, it's not the Eiffel Tower thing, but a missile is launched, and it and Superman carries it into space. It explodes, and the Phantom Zone square that's just like apparently just rotating through space. Yes, and his one weakness is a nuclear explosion in space. We find out not a nuclear explosion. A nuclear explosion in space. If this thing's just flying through space, isn't it fucking flying into shit? Do you like, think... there's a lot of stuff in space. It's not that... I mean, it's not like it's just nothing. Yeah, like, there's, there's, there's constant... debris in space. No, 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 not just debris. There's, like, suns collapsing and, like, quasars. Yeah, there's, like... It's insane that this thing... Yeah, like, only a nuclear blast. It flies by the fusion of a sun going, you know, like, supernova. Yeah. No, it's fine. You get it near a hydrogen bomb, though, and shit goes bad. In the scale of space, an, a hydrogen bomb built by some shitty terrorists on Earth is the least explosive thing in the universe. Like, it's it's on it's the low grade. <laughs> this film also taught me that uh, in the 80s, we knew jack shit about space. <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea how space okay. worked, what would happen if something exploded in space. So, with that context, that we come from this massive, high-budget Superman movie from the late 70s into this just breaching into the 1980s, we come in, and the opening... Well, okay, the opening scene... The opening shot is, is the, the worst brilliant and <laughs> thing okay. I have ever seen set to, like, to celluloid in my life. So it, it it it's kind of like there's there's like a clo- there's like a, a a stormtrooper prototype. There's like like yeah. the original concept art of a stormtrooper made into a costume in a hurry. Really old episodes of Battlestar Galactica, the original it's... TV show, where they couldn't afford special effects, so it's just like a guy with like yeah. a bucket on his head. And, that and they just FYI, we're talking cold open, right? We're oh, not yeah, straight into. It. We're not saying that this is after a title sequence. We just lights come on to the worst green screen in the world of some sort of crystal room. There's there's just it's almost w- like they're like getting ready to do like the weather. There's just like a guy <laughs> standing on like the left hand side of the screen with like this clearly non existent backdrop, and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And he's got like a total like like he's got a helmet like your you told your mom that you needed to be a stormtrooper. For your elementary school play, and it's tomorrow night, and she needs to get a costume together in a hurry. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's just like, "What do we got around the house?" Where's I got a, I got a bucket. I could cut some holes in it. And he old one piece that's like sequined, like I'm Liberace. You can put that on. It's like a stormtrooper. And Nan, who is the biggest of the three General Zod crew, shows up. He's all in black. He's He's making so much noise walking towards this guy, but he can't hear him, the guard. He can't hear him because he's wearing a bucket. What is great, though, is he comes into the side of the frame, and he's supposed to be sneaking. This dude is like 6'4", at least. He looks he's like made... Andre the Giant. Like, I thought and for a minute walking, I don't it know was Andre they... the Giant in a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if they added Foley or if they just picked up the sound of him moving, but he's supposed to be sneaking. <laughs> You, all you can hear are his footsteps. So it's the least effective. Guys, guys, like, we are we are we are twelve seconds in at this description. I just want you to be clear. And he comes in though, and he's doing like the thing that like if somebody was like told you like like you're in high school, they're like, well, pretend like you're sneaking, where you just <laughs> kind of bend your knees and you're like, that's it, right? That's how you sneak. Yeah, do the just Bugs Bunny. A little closer to the ground. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> 
comes up behind this guy and puts him in a headlock like it's a fucking wrestling movie or something. He yeah. Which the robot touches his belt that just says alarm. No, I want to. I don't want you to skip over that. He non breaks his neck and in the final moments of his life. He reaches for what is apparently the only weapon he's been given as a no, prison guard. A gun, I think. No, he has no gun. <laughs> I rewound. His hands are just crossed. Apparently, he's the only guard of this entire wing, and all he has is a belt that says alarm when he presses it. Not because it's off an alarm. Keep that no. in mind. Yeah. <laughs> Your car, when you press it, just said alarm. 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 As if he can't just say alarm. Yeah, or just scream at that point. If all it's going to do is just talk, I I don't know why you need a button for that. It was was absurd. And then what makes it more absurd is I'm like, wow, that's weird. They clearly just set off the alarm. But then Zod and Ursa walk in, and Zod pushes a button, and they pull out like a red crystal, and he breaks it in half, and he's so proud of himself. Yeah, apparently. His face is like, I did it. You, this, they never explain what the fuck that is. This what is room they're in. <laughs> this is foreshadowing for a confusing array of plot points built up around crystal fragments that apparently run every machine on Krypton. Like in every scene going forward in the the Fortress of Solitude, someone has some crystal and they're putting it in some slot, and like stuff glows and. Sometimes it saves the day, sometimes it plays an email he got, like, it's super inconsistent. What's also Anyhow. bizarre is he breaks this stick, and then they're immediately, like, put in a spotlight, and they're surprised. It's like, one, didn't you just hear that guy's belt say alarm, like, three times? But then, two, they're like, you flaunt society's conventions, so we're putting you in essentially a living hellscape that just flies through space. But they never say, like, all they did, it's basically would be, like, if you saw a kid spray painting on a wall and you're like, well, we're putting you in solitary confinement for the rest of your life with no chance of escape. No. nuclear bomb goes off. (laughs) No, let's be clear. They said, we're going to put you in solitary confinement and then launch that that confinement into space? Like, I don't get to that second part. Like, why? (laughs) It's so bizarre. They're trapped in this, like, square, right? They're trapped in this, like, weird square where all they can do, apparently, is press their hands against it and scream. Yeah, like, which is weird that the one guy's screaming because he can't talk. <laughs> yeah, is there a, is there like a room in there? Do you think? No, I don't. I don't know. It's very What's confusing. That? Is that like the genie lamp in I Dream of Genie, or like, well, or is just? I, I would hope because the I Dream of Genie lamp was pretty sweet. Or is it just like the eternal question, like what's the inside of a Pokeball look like? You know what I mean? Like it's just anyway. So yeah, I guess we're right. This was the first Pokeball to be clear, um, uh, and, and then they trapped them in this square. Which should be, you know, plan A completed. We're done, right? Yeah. Let's have lunch. Put, put that square in a safe... In like a put it on the floor! I don't care! We're in prison! Like, it can put go it anywhere! Put it far away from a nuclear explosion on that planet that it could get. <laughs> on a yeah. mountain. I don't know. Bury it? No. <laughs> we'll throw it into space because, you know, we can be sure what will happen in space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is... Also, too, it's, like, so insane is... They they make it clear that when Superman travels from Krypton, the ship is, like, built to travel straight to Earth, and it, like, warps space to make it get there. So in the time it took Superman to grow from 20 and, and warp through space, 
this rotating square, some reason, was shot towards Earth too. For some reason, it like makes the and it, it like where it explodes, it was on a course to hit the planet itself anyway. So yeah, it was either going to explode in a nuclear reaction or just crush Earth and keep going, or just land and really confuse a farmer somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they're like, well, I don't know how to get you out of there, son. <laughs> it just calls up, excuse me, military. I just found a square with three people screaming in it. It's one-sided. They seem to be moving, though. It ain't three dimensions. <laughs> it keeps twisting. Um, the one guy's trying to sneak away. No, it is... The Alarm! Sneak, the sneak was literally the most insane thing I've ever seen. And so, little did I know that this movie would be like, I think we can top that. Yeah. Well, this so this podcast episode began with me explaining to you some of the light... The, 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 the highlight, the top-line plot points to Superman 1. They decided we should also inform the audience what happened in Superman 1. It's not like it was a massive hit success that everyone saw. Cause it it was, was only out two years before this. Right. It's not like they waited four years to make this movie. Yeah, we're not Which coming I'm back. Like, I'm like, okay, so they want to refresh your memory. I'm like, I'm with that. It seems somewhat odd that you wouldn't just play the literal beginning of that movie then. Like, just play the scene where Zod is put put in prison. Right. Like, don't create a whole new version of it where there's, like, this weird not-a-crime-crime-sneak thing and then just basically reshow the exact same thing. But Marlon Brando refuses to be in this movie, I guess. So there's just no – they're really mad at Marlon Brando for no reason because in this movie, we never even see him. Like, he's nope. not in any shots. He is so only – really hate somebody who's absentee. He's only in the Donner Cut. So this movie goes into a montage with a title sequence, which at first seems fine. They show Superman landing on Earth in his capsule, and he's a baby. He's strong. And, I, and I'm like, okay, this is good This is good info, right? But could you believe they put back in the shot of the kid dick? Like, why did that have to still be in the yeah. cut? I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> I, as soon as they show, I was like, come on, man! <laughs> I, I just thought – I thought it was weird. I brought it up in the first podcast. I thought it was a weird, unnecessary shot. I thought it was weird. They decided to use that same shot again. But props were prop, props are due. Like this intro sequence at first seems bomb. Like it seems awesome. It's got yeah, this it, big swelling score. It's got these huge explosive title sequences. It's, it's 1980. You know, this is cool shit. I, I, yeah, I, was, I mean, it's, they basically did the same thing with Spider-Man 2. Sort of the right. credits with – instead of showing, like, scenes from the film, it's drawings and that. But I'm like, all right, I'm with you. But then as it goes on, I'm like, wow, you're really just recapping the entire first movie, like, scene yeah. by scene. I was like, thinking oh, watching this – I, I was just about to bring that up. I was thinking watch this. This would look cool on the base screen. This is neat. Oh, this is some of the parts of the movie. Okay, are we going to start now? No. Now we're watching that scene where Lois is in the helicopter. Like, that's not integral to the plot no, of Superman. basically just a set piece. There's tons of shots that I'm like, don't care. Yeah. Don't care. Don't okay. need to know. Yep. I need to know. I need a shot of him changing from Clark Kent into Superman. I Show me he's a baby. He's real strong. Jump to him living there. That's all I need to see because the rest of that movie is pretty stupid. But they what? show you so much of it, yeah. it, it was just shocking. It was kind of like if Empire Strikes Back had an opening sequence. And at first, they were like, they were like, there's this evil empire, right? And they yeah. had this Death Star, but we destroyed it. And now we have a chance we might come back. And you're like, okay, cool. All right, let's go. He's, anyway, so Luke's on his land speeder, and he's just going yeah, through tattooing. Yeah, <laughs> over it. It's just the, the Bith band from Mos Eisley Cantina. And you're like, <laughs> uh... and you're like, well, I don't what is going on here? I mean, this isn't helpful. I mean, I, I saw it. I'm appearing in the film again. 
Okay, so... Oh, wow, we're really following the eye creature in the trash compactor? Okay, I guess. What's he up to now? <laughs> it would be like if we watched that whole sequence, like, like yeah. unedited. <laughs> like, they just threw it in there. But cutting out the part that explains that they just rescued her from prison. So there's so, no context. It's just so, a series of events. We finally get to the meat of the plot. We're ready to dive into this Superman, and the opening shot we get is a is a is a delivery man bringing someone a whole bicycle. Yes. <laughs> and, he's, and just, then, he's wrapped where, a bicycle in paper, and he's bringing then, it. Where to would the, you be dropping off? Of, uh, like, I mean, where does this scene take place? Probably like at somebody's house, right? Like they bought it for their kid, and it's a delivery man. How about the Daily Planet? Is that? Oh, you mean in a skyscraper? Yeah. Someone has wrapped a bicycle in paper and is delivering it to, like, the 40th story of a skyscraper. Folks, no reference to it ever again. I could not figure out. Like, I kept being like, is that going to be, like, Chekhov's bike? Like, it's going to come back later? No. We're, like, 15 minutes in, and this is my favorite movie that we've ever watched. (laughs) It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yes, and it's like that throughout. Like, that was, like, something where I was like, all right, that was just a weird thing to throw in. I was like, yeah, I'll let it ride. But then it just, the movie becomes weird thing after weird thing after weird thing to just toss in and be like, there you go. What if this happened? Absolutely. And we catch up with the Daily Planet crew, of course, Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Lois Lane continues to give us <laughs> a master class in, her, in her, her lesson plan, which is called Being the Worst Journalist. Oh, my God. In the I- first movie, don't forget, she arrives on the scene Unaware of how to spell words like cannibal and like rapist and rapist. (laughs) She spells it with two P's. Someone in the script team was like, hey, what's a fun word to misspell? And someone's like, I don't know, rapist. And then the other one I think is um, like, (laughs) I forget, like mass murder, like some form of like mass murder. Or like, how do you spell murder or something? How do you spell genocide? Yeah, it's just like, you're like, why are these the, can't, and did you notice they, they continue that runner? She can't spell Nobel? Yeah, why why can't it be like 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 how do you spell quiche? Like like why yeah. is it gotta be? Also, so why fucking... is she just spelling words? That was never a trait up until this one scene where she starts spelling words out loud and spells them wrong. Was there a story that had genocide and like a rapist and also like pie or whatever the first word she has to get spelled? Yeah, is? it's like they're all insane. But then anyway, so serious. Did you notice how she spelled when she was spelling like prize? She says capital P. Little R, little I. It's not called little. No. <laughs> it's just that's no. just standard. You, you say capital when you want it to be uppercase. You don't say lowercase when you're talking about it. You only have to delineate when a word needs to be capitalized. But we we we're reintroduced to these characters doing their shit, and I gotta say, in both movies, regardless of the quality, Christopher Reeve is just my guy because he looks good as Superman, and he's genuinely fucking. Um, really funny to me as Clark Kent. He's like yeah, putting I think on. He's good as Clark Kent. He's, he's putting on this really hilarious, like dopey, like glass pushing up. Like I don't know, Lois, and I don't. Know, I find it so fucking charming. It's if anything's worth watching in either of these movies, which I think they're both pretty fucking entertaining. I would totally encourage the, the, the to watch them. But Christopher Reeve's performance in both roles is just great. Yeah, so he's probably the best of part of those films. Lois is is a little more. Like, all over the place. It's a little more unpredictable how she's going to be in a certain scene. Sometimes she's pretty, like, serious and, like, and grounded. Other times she's just fucking, like, I think there's a little cocaine going on. Like, oh, she's a little, yeah. a little out there. 
like the scene where she comes in and they were like, we're going to do a fun. I was hoping this was a bit where she's smoking a cigarette and trying to make orange juice by squeezing oranges. And she's like, this is healthy. And I was like, is this a bit or is this just the 80s and everybody smoked? Like, I couldn't tell if it was like looking back, that was supposed to be a joke. Because smoking's not healthy for you? I think it's definitely... This movie's really old. I think it's a joke because they cut to her, like, snuffing a cigarette as she's saying, you gotta watch your health. Like, I think it's definitely felt like a bit. Which I thought it was a bit, but then as I watched the rest of the movie, I was like, I think there's a fair chance they didn't realize that was humorous. This movie (laughs) has a lot of bits. The joke was more just about how hard it is to get juice out of an orange. But but my favorite Lois scene here in the the first act is right after this, when we, we flash forward to her on the scene at the big crisis happening, which is... There's a bomb and a hostage crisis in in Paris, and of course, where else in Paris but at the top of the Eiffel Tower, which is a weird place to, to, to like, do anything. Anyway. um, But luckily, the world's most French police officer is there to really walk us through the situation. Like, if you asked your grandpa to describe a Frenchman, like, this is what would come out. Uh, yeah, I mean, he might as well just say wee oui, wee oui at the end of every sentence. Yes. I mean, he is insane. Even though he's speaking English, so French. The only thing missing was he needed, like, a holster with a baguette in it. Like, that yeah. was the one, like, 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 trope that didn't get in there. But anyway... Taking off his mind makeup. Yes. But we arrive on the scene, there's a, there's a whole bevy of, of local, uh, investigative French journalists trying to solve this case with, a, I assume, some police chief... Lois just comes bumbling in late, late to a hostage sequence, and stands too far away to, like, actually be part of the press circle. And then when he says that they believe is a bomb, she's like, a bomb? We're gonna all blow up! What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, she's just like, it's almost as if during a press conference, somebody standing behind the police barricade, like, is just like, what do you mean? And the person giving the speech stops and is like, well? Because <laughs> just turn. Why is he answering this random person's concern? She has not identified herself as press she, yet. She's she literally has... just gotten out of a car and been like, bomb? <laughs> That's crazy! It, it feels like it's her first day. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. And then her plan is to sneak onto the Eiffel Tower... And hide underneath of an elevator to do what exactly? I couldn't figure out what her end game was because yeah. she hides under the elevator. I'm like, oh, she wants to get up to the top of the building. No, because she seems surprised when it starts moving. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know what her plan is then. And then the elevator arrives and she doesn't have any idea what to do next. <laughs> no, and somehow her, her purse is stuck. So she's going to die because her purse is in the way. Although I will say it's a pretty fucking cool sequence i do like watching that sequence where it's just like this terrorist they have a bomb she's like dieharding her way up to the top section not that she's got like a cool plan or anything i didn't enjoy it um quick side note i felt i i was confident that i recognized one of those terrorists did it did it occur to you uh that any one of them seemed familiar I'm going to be honest, I did not even pay that close attention to so what there was, like. there was a classic, like, uh, Abbott, Costello, kind of Three Stooges-y kind of vibe. There was, like, t- three different terrorists. There was, like, a short, fat one and, like, tall Oh, one. wow. I just looked up uh, who the fat one was. Yeah, the fat one is 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 Papa Dursley, uh, the, the, the patron of the Dursley family in the Harry Potter movies. Yes, Richard Griffiths. He was in uh, the second Naked Gun. Yep. He had a really bad TV show where he was a cook detective. <laughs> yes um big fan I, I spotted him and i was like that fucking guy looks so familiar um anyhow so we establish 
what is we, we, the, the so this is right here, although it's not the same narrative device. At this point in the first act, we've essentially reached the point where Donner intended to start his movie. So he had like a missile sequence. It was some sort of like I don't know if it was like a I can't remember. I haven't seen Donner cut in a long time, but it had something to do with like a launch of a missile that he had to then stop from destroying like the planet, right? <clears throat> Makes much better sense than a hydrogen bomb in a. It may actually have been the bomb sequence from the first movie, if you recall. Superman has to, like, catch a missile and stop it from, from detonating and blowing up California. Um, yeah, can, that's I'm it. Not, maybe that, so, I vaguely remember so something like that. The way it was supposed to work was he threw that missile into space, and then that was what broke that Phantom Zone square and freed General Zod and his crew. So instead, we got this sequence with the Lester cut, which I don't think is a better version. Because, again, we no, have recapped. It's much longer than the version you just described, which sounds got... way more interesting and plausible, versus... Bad prison terrorists. break. <laughs> I, their plan is very vague as to what they want, too. No, no. I want to be clear. At this point, we've got a bad prison break, uh, uh, an orange juice commercial, uh, and then an, a... a, 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 a an Eiffel Tower hostage situation that has no bearing on the plot of this In which movie. half of the hostages are, for some reason, straight-up nuns. And like, Korean habit, tourists. habit-wearing nuns. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's an interesting choice. Why are they nuns? No, they never bring that up either. I was like, oh, okay. I guess the wardrobe department just had a bunch of nun outfits. They always do. So smash cut to Superman throwing this makeshift hydrogen bomb, this dirty bomb, into space. Uh, he flies past the moon, by the way. He goes pretty fucking far to whip this thing. He flies so far out into space to the point where I was just like, why is he going this far away? Once it's <laughs> out of the atmosphere, it can't do anything. Like, yeah, we, did, not... we detonated nuclear warheads on the planet, and it doesn't, yeah, I mean, it's not just, great, but... Just keep it away from the moon. But he throws it. It it flies into what I think is a floating copy of the AHA Take On Me video. Oh, God, uh, I wish. <laughs> Then it explodes, and it, it it has some of that 80s magic, that 80s special effects magic. <laughs> uh, real quick, let's just, before we get a little further into this, this movie and special effects had a divorce or something, because the special effects in this movie are so much worse than in the first one that I had to look it up and be like, Am I watching the right one? <laughs> and I was like, maybe I'm watching that one that Canon Films made for like 50 bucks. And I was like, did I click the wrong one? You're, you're, like, not, you're the not first. Wrong. The first time they show Superman changing into his clothes, it's this super grainy, really blurry shot of him where I just felt like they filmed it and they were like, oh, shit, this is really blurry. What should we do? <laughs> I don't know. Put it in the movie. Like, there's no reason for it. And like when he's flying into space, it's so like – it's like old like airplane the, where they're like driving and there's that fake background you know they put behind people in cars yeah so clearly fake I, I could not believe how bad it was so the biggest mistake this movie made in the special effects department <laughs> is continuing to go what, no was deciding to do as many flying sequences as they could because they oh. never look good not the once only, the only thing that is slower than flights and fights in this movie is the narrative but other than that, but, I mean, it is the slowest. Yeah, fly and punch and do stuff so slow. I, I it just I don't know why you would watch it and be like, looks good. So I feel like we probably can't even 
can't even go scene by scene for this movie because it's so fucking long. But no. one scene that I have to talk about is the scene that comes next. So Superman inadvertently frees Zod and his crew from the Phantom Zone. Doesn't know it. Flies back home, right? In, like, one of the most, like, you know, just happenstance, like, whoops, can't believe that happened. Uh, I cannot get over how much I love the next scene because what happens is is General Zod and his crew fly to the moon because it's the first, like, planet-like object in front of them at this point. And they go straight to the moon. And I like this vibe that they're like, they don't know where the fuck they are. They also are like Superman. They don't have powers on Krypton. They're just people. But they seem to adjust to having powers so quickly that I could not figure out if they didn't have powers. It is weird. They don't seem confused that they can breathe in space. Everything just is like, huh. They arrive on the moon where there is a moon mission, like astronauts are there, and they just start fucking with them for like 20 minutes. And oh, it is yeah. the best thing this movie does because it's just like some guy just like on like the the moon surface just like navigating, like picking up rocks, and then he turns a corner and there's just a lady there in a in a, like a leather jumpsuit. He's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> so good it's like a horror movie and then he turns around and goes oh no and tries to run and she like rips his suit open and kills him it's really yeah, like the intense. way they kill everyone is just so because she wants his um the like badge he has on that yeah, she like, collects part of nasa she collects the badges of her like of like a cop and like i think of a four-star general like she collects people's badges which is a cool con- concept i mean i like that she's got like a gimmick um Definitely has a gimmick. But I fucking just love this weird, like, horror movie sequence on the moon where they're just fucking murdering astronauts out of kind of confusion and also amusement because they're like, hey, we've got these powers now. And they get used to these powers, like, super fast. Yeah, they get used to them as if they've all... That's what I mean. I was confused when they were flying. And then, you know, like, later they're like, they can't even fly. And it's like, wait, I don't think people on Krypton can fly. Like, they adjust to being able to fly... So much that I was just like, oh, can, does ever, did everybody on Krypton just fly in general? I they was adjusted, so confused. They adjusted to being in space. Like, they just yeah. came out and they were in space. And they were like, all right. Which also is, like, cool. somewhat confusing because the whole thing is supposed to be – it's like Earth's yellow sun makes them strong. But it takes, like, years before Superman starts actually exhibiting his super strength as a child. Like, he's well, like he's – like he's like I a, think it's right on, away. I mean, in this Maybe movie, in the movie. I think in the comics, though, he's like it, it takes a while before they notice something is wrong. These people like instantly appear in space. They're like, hey, like they wouldn't even have been able to absorb any sunlight yet to be able to have mutated that quickly. It's like instantaneous. Um, I this I, again. I don't really think we can walk through this point by point. No. So the ne- so a scene that I also need to discuss with you is what the what the fuck is going on in niagara falls why that that interlude and sort of switch up was so confusing just all of a sudden they're at niagara falls and this is what's this is what's bizarre all right zod shows up in this movie and i just want everybody to to just listen to this real quick this movie has been pointing out two hours and seven minutes zod shows up he's freed superman does not know zod is on earth until there is 30 minutes left in the movie. Three-fourths of this movie, he is unaware that there are three other Kryptonians on the planet and that they are slowly taking it over. He, he it never... Is, it no. is so 
insane. I hate – I do not like the movie Man of Steel. I do not think it's a good movie. It has some good parts. That movie contains a full-on origin, and still they get to Zod quicker than this movie does. I could not believe when I looked at the time and I was like, there's 30 minutes left, and he just now found out that Zod has taken over the entire planet. And which sucks. And it was so happenstance. And it sucks. That TV ad. It, it sucks because fucking General Zod, specifically, is the one of the better parts of this movie. He's a fucking fantastic villain. He's chewing the scenery. He is he is he is like a, a Shakespearean delivery to everything. And he is like he gets the famous kneel before Zod line. He goes and like fucking like gets the president to bow before him. It's great, but we don't get that until Act Three. Now again. I want to specify the Donner cut had the, this was the beginning. The beginning was them murdering astronauts, basically, which is like, where was that movie? <laughs> yeah, like, and I, I, I almost want to go watch the Donner cut because I just want to. I, there has to be more interaction between Zod and Superman because otherwise, it just makes no sense. But like, they basically take over Earth for just because it's there. They aren't concerned with like, but they somehow know that Krypton's gone too. Because at one point they talk about how Krypton's been destroyed. How would they know? They were in prison and they were shot out into space. Why would they know Krypton's not there anymore? Uh, real quick here before we, we move away from talking about Zod, though. I had to look this up. I was wondering to myself that as much as I know about Zod now, I was like, is Zod a character from the comics that had a much better backstory? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he was made up for these movies. No, they he's... Made him... He's in the comics prior to these movies, but he's barely in it. He's in, like, one issue and then, like, maybe referenced once again a couple times. But he's not, like, a mainstay villain. So, let me just let me get this out for you because this is fantastic. So I found, uh, I found a, a, a wiki that was, like, describes comic book plots. And it gave me the plot of uh, Adventure Comics Volume uh, uh, 283, which is from 1961, which is the first... It's the first issue in which General Zod, first like an only issue mostly that General Odd General Zod appears in in the Silver Silver Age, <laughs> a cache of Kryptonian weapons, including a Phantom Zone projector. Hey, falls yeah. to Earth. Superboy learns of the existence of his gear, uh, and discovers that Kryptonian criminals were sent into it via the mental playback device and a helmet from the weapons cache. Okay, uh, okay. what? Here we go. Now we're going to get real jazzy. A lizard accidentally triggers the projector and now, sends Superboy that, into the Phantom Zone. That, I'm not even sure how that could make any, like, where was it stored in the desert? But he manages to telekinetically write a message to John Kent on an electric typewriter. Ooh, as fancy. One does. As they have in the Phantom Zone, apparently. And then Jonathan goes and saves him. Um, but... <laughs> During that sequence, he's, like, shown images of, like, criminals who've been trapped in the Phantom Zone. And then later on, like, uh, th this movie expanded upon that idea to create Zod. So there's, like, a bit, there's like a, there's like a, like a two-sentence origin for General Zod in the comics that is then extrapolated upon in this movie. Um, and again, best part of this movie, really, the best thing to come out of it. But, like you said, they don't tie Superman to the Zod character until, like... There's 20 minutes left. Yeah, I mean, it was, I could not believe. I looked up when they found out that when he goes to that, they're at that diner and he sees that announcement. And I was like, oh my God, how much of this movie's left? Because at this point, I'm like, there's got to be an hour left. 
if he's just now finding out, but I was like, it feels like this movie's been on for, and I looked and I was like, oh my god, 30 minutes is left. Three-fourths of this movie is like, a good half of this movie, I think, is spent at Niagara Falls. Yeah, so let's, let's lightning round what's going on between the actual plot of this movie and the beginning of the Eiffel Tower sequence. Because we just started big time. We started with fucking jailbreaks and this hostage sequence and all this cool shit and, like, fucking missiles in space. Where do they take us now in the plot? Where did the script decide to write us? To a cheesy penthouse suite in Niagara Falls where Clark Kent and Lois Lane are apparently investigating some sort of honeymoon fraud? Which appeared to be the only fraud is they just didn't tell you that all the stuff in the room wasn't actually complimentary. That appeared to be the only fraud I could figure out. Yeah, just like, like a skeezy butler just said, hey, here's like a pink bear skin rug and like you a You want to talk about a guy who thought he was going to be like the fucking Daniel Day-Lewis of his time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that guy. He's so over the top and so bad at this role, but clearly thinks that he's just like nailing it. And I, it's so bad was it that I'm fairly certain he was entirely ADR'd. Like, whatever he said in the scene, they were like, this is terrible. Just dub him over with some other guy's voice. So I said that the astronaut sequence was what made this movie worth it, but I lied. You want to know what makes this movie worth it? Was watching that dumb fucking kid fall into the, the Niagara goddamn falls. That was one of the, I, I mean, again... Some of the worst special effects you will see in a movie, even for this time frame. It is terrible. It's so stupid. This kid uh, deserves to die. Natural selection. Select no, him. <laughs> it's not. It's it's not necessarily the fact that the kid's dumb. I mean, granted, this would be the one time I advocate everyone just like forget that happened. Like, yeah, but like, well. this kid has scaled the railing, which is a poor railing to begin with, at Niagara Falls. And is 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 not just like climbing on the opposite side. He's doing that thing where he like let go and like fall back for a minute and then catch yourself with a railing that you might do in like the parking lot of your elementary school while you're yes. waiting for like your mom to show up. Not above like not pure above, death. Like, yeah, like a five hundred <laughs> or six hundred foot drop. He fucks it up. He falls. I want to be clear here. He falls. We cut to the parents going, oh, no. We cut back to him still falling. We cut oh, back yeah. to the crowd. The he crowd's going, slow as everybody holy else shit. Flies. Everyone runs across the parking lot, the, the length of the parking lot. They cut back to him still falling. They, they cut, cut back to Lois, who then screams, somebody help him. Lady, what do you, who do you think is going to help him if, not, if it's not Superman? This kid is just falling off of a waterfall. There's nothing to do. I'm sorry. It's over. We cut back to Clark, who's in line for hot dogs and hasn't picked up on this yet. Somehow this kid is still falling. This kid is 90% helium. <laughs> he's, just, he's just wafting to the bottom of Niagara Falls. And Superman changes and saves him in a, a not great event. The kid says, you know, he wants to go again. Superman's response is just, eh, only one, only one ride per customer and flies away. Then his mother has, this is her reaction. Her son has just fallen, almost to what would have certainly been his untimely death. And she, re and keep in mind, she wasn't paying attention to him, and that's why he fell to his death. But her reply is, how dare you embarrass me in front of all these people? <laughs> it's going to be so messed up later. I, was, I, I, could, I rewound it to be like, 
there's no way that's what they made her say. And I was like, somebody wrote that into a script. They don't let somebody ad line a ad lib a line like that in the background of a shot. And I was like, I guess the, it was sort of like that scene. Remember the first one where Superman saves that kid's like dog or kitten out of the tree. And then the kid goes in and is like, I saw a flying man. And their parent beats him. And it's like played as a joke. Yeah. There's a lot of like weird crowd like lines that are 80 yard into scenes oh, where oh like. Oh my god. The end of this movie is bizarre line after bizarre line from people who are just like hanging out at the scene of what is most certainly going to be their death. Okay. Not to get. Fuck it. I don't care where we are. So we're like 40 minutes in. <laughs> At the pinnacle of this movie, three aliens trapped in a phantom prison have just arrived on Earth and blown a town apart and subjugated your president. Yes. They have taken we, over the White House. We they, gave up so fast. We sent like half a platoon of soldiers and they punched them. Uh, soldiers who who were outfitted from like World War II because – who the fuck has still issued a flamethrower in the 1980s United States military? We sent one Jeep. Yeah, one, one Jeep and one attack chopper. And then we quit. And then we were like, well, I guess that's it. We don't have nukes or anything. Like, at least couldn't we have tried to blow them up or something? We so aggressively quit in Superman 2 that the next day, the newspaper just reads, White House taken. Like, we're just, it's, it's over. It's done. Also, yeah. Also, did you think, I, I'm just curious. They keep showing the president during some of these scenes, and they will not show him from the front. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, is this supposed to be like it's an imitation of whoever the sitting president was at the time this movie came out? And that's why they won't show his face. But I was like, this doesn't sound like an imitation of any president that – and so I like looked up who was the president. I was like, well, if this is an imitation of them, that's a terrible imitation. But there's like this big reveal of who he is, but – who the fuck is he? I, I don't <laughs> know. I show his face, and I'm like, I don't know who you are. I, I don't even know you as an actor. What <laughs> is if I'm supposed to be shocked when they show who it is? His, the actor is, I think, k- kind of famous. He, he's. <laughs> yeah, I guess he. His name's E.G. Marshall. He was in Twelve Angry Men. Uh, yeah, he was in Falcon Crest and that Kennedy TV show from the '80s. And but that, actually, that was all after this. I mean, he was in like a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, Pursuit of Happiness. Like, like a lot of TV Paris Burning. Yeah, I mean, he's got like a background, so maybe that was the reveal that people picked up on. But you're right. It it's not. You know, it would have like if he had turned around and it was Marlon Brando. Like, not right, like, not like right. he did it, but like a name, like an actor where you're like, holy shit, they got blah, blah, blah as a cameo in this movie. But this guy turns around and like, nope, I don't know who that is. And it was a guy who, like. I'm shocked when it turns out the guy that is behind the desk doesn't turn out to be the president and what kind of plan was that the president's still in the fucking room <laughs> yeah it's a bad he should have been you're gonna have a guy pretend to be the president it's so that you can get the president out of the white house not just have him stand two feet away from that guy yeah not <laughs> the aliens who just started ripping everyone apart not to confuse not to confuse the listener but zod and his crew after destroying one building in a town in idaho i want to be clear they 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 they, they set a barn on fire that's it that and, is it and this town is to call it a town is to be like this back lot which they needed to destroy so they could build it, it looks nothing it's like not even a town it's basically like a dirt road with three buildings on each side it's the weakest example of a town in the world they burn it down um, they, they burn down one building and they, they shoot one Jeep and they destroy a helicopter, yes. right? And then 
then they, they're shown talking to a military general who says that he only answers to the president. So is he the chief? That's like, what I was, I was like, well, I mean, technically, buddy, you should have said, you know, there's like the Joint Chiefs of Staff you have to answer to. I, I mean, unless you're like the highest general, which seems unlikely. You I know. probably have a guy ahead of you, too. Yeah, if you, and if you are the highest general, why are you here in Idaho? <laughs> why did you roll up on the front lines in a Jeep? Like, it's as if. The idea that, like, the general of an army is just going to be like, well, I guess we have to go fight him. I'll come with you. That's it's not, not like the general does. They're actually not allowed to be in combat. You're, it's not like, like, like wartime of the three kingdoms in China where you're, like, the general. <laughs> and you're going to show up and be like, I'm, like, the best warrior. Like, you're just an administrator. <laughs> like, you can't just show up and win the like, battle. <laughs> on D-Day, they had Eisenhower be the first guy off <laughs> Yeah, by himself, he just, like, runs off. He's like, now everybody! Uh, <laughs> don't kill me. I'm in charge of this entire operation. I know, I know state secrets. I better not die. Oh, and then... So, so we cut, we cut to them. Oh, by the way, I don't want to skip this either. There's one reporter there, right? There's <laughs> one... I want, I want to cover this one reporter. He does not have a news van. He does not... Have a have an antenna or a satellite or anything you would need to broadcast. He literally, it's literally a hatchback car with one TV, one mic, one camera, and the word news is just spray painted across the side. Not Channel Ten yeah, News. You're a channel for the movie. Like they called around and they're like, "Can we use Channel Two? And they were like, "No." It's just a TV and a camera, and then. When Zod comes up to him, and, and by the way, there's an explosions and danger happening behind him, and he's using that as the backdrop for his shot. And you would expect Zod to come walking out of that carnage, but Zod comes from the opposite direction, as if he just came out of the bathroom. And yeah, like, like as if he was taking a whiz behind one of the buildings, and was just like, what's up? Then, Wait, you doing a, doing a news thing? He gets right away that it's a news broadcast, and he says, who can see this? The guy says, the whole planet. And I'm like, A, what news channel now yeah, I was gonna say, is the whole planet? I don't think there's a channel that broadcasts to the entire planet. Are you saying that? In is like, yeah. And they're also <laughs> in a town, which I'm fairly certain doesn't have telephones. <laughs> like, this town is so small. There's no way they even have Sir. access to electricity. Sir, you're you're broadcasting out of a station wagon. Are you saying that in in China right now, where it's like four a.m., everyone stayed up to watch your broadcast? I just like to picture that that guy's actually insane, and the only people watching are the people who can see that TV that's sitting on the back of it, and he just drives around because like they huh. show up and they they cause a little bit of havoc, and somehow a news crew finds out and shows up. Yeah. I, I I I hope that they left right after that, and everyone's like, it's weird that they talked to to old weird Carl for so long. <laughs> yeah, like like they were like, well, we're really just coming here to talk to the chief about his perfect Sunday or something. I mean, it's just like, why are they? I mean, this town appears to be in the middle of nowhere, as if it's like a old like it's Houston town. It's Houston, Idaho, technically, according to the movie, because it, which doesn't make any fucking oh, yeah. sense. It no. doesn't make. Any sense? Because what happens is the, the one of the astronauts says, "Houston, we have a problem," and then they go, "Oh, Houston must be the name of the planet that they're from," which is a fun thing. Oh, wait a but, minute, hold on. I'm going to say something that's probably going to make me sound real dumb. What? The Houston NASA Center is in a place called Houston, Idaho. 
It isn't. That's the confusion part. Oh, I was going to say, I thought it was in, like, the city. No. The famous, it's, you know, Houston, yeah, Texas. Yeah, it's in Houston, Texas. <laughs> oh, thank so, God. I thought for a minute I was real dumb. So I don't get how they ended up in Idaho. They got to a Houston. But how? Like, you you came from the moon. <laughs> I did not even realize it. I thought it was just like they had landed on the planet. I didn't know they were, like, heading to Pugs. a city called Houston. Pugs! They came from the moon, and they... It's as if they map-quested bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they're just like, get us to Houston. They're like, well, judging by your GPS location, the closest Houston... I, it's Houston, I know. The, oh, my God. This, like, oh, my God. The scene where the police, when they first are driving, and the two cops are having this conversation, and it is, like, the, wor- like the worst, like, improv... Like, they're, like, having a conversation about where to go get food, and it's supposed to be, like, a joke or funny... But it's just – I don't know what the fuck. It's like two minutes long, and I could not figure out why I cared what was happening. They're talking about whether or not they can go to a place that has seafood, and this guy says he doesn't like seafood. Then the guy names eight other things. He said, I think I'll get the seafood. And I was like, is that supposed to be like a joke? Like were people in the theater dying laughing? Because <laughs> I can't tell what the fuck's going on in this movie. They held really long on long sequences that – didn't really have to be there. Oh, they go nowhere and contain characters you do not need to see and will never see again. Okay, so to get to our point, they are told by what apparently is the head of, like, national defense is there, um, the chief <laughs> chief strategist of, like, our entire security defense network is there, and is told... Oh, the president is in charge. I'm bad at my job, so you can go see him. I guess I'll tell you where he is because they show up. No, don't don't forget that they pass over Mount Rushmore, which they laser into their own faces. But yes. not like they stop and carve it. I mean, they go meow, and it turns into the face. And then what's great is there is a line of the president who is somehow watching this on TV. As they have access to the movie we're all currently watching. Yeah, because <laughs> like it's they're just it's spaceballs like yeah it's like spaceballs. I just picture <laughs> that same guy in his hatchback is like well, I guess we'll just go film Mount Rushmore now. <laughs> oh like, what a scoop! <laughs> and then he's like they remodeled what took thousands of hours to make in mere seconds. How could we fight back? And I was like well I don't know if like being able to carve a statue necessarily means that you're like really good at war. Like those are two not mutually ex- inclusive items. I mean, they just burned, uh, like, well, they attacked the town. That should be your bigger concern. And stole your best general, I assume. And then what's crazy is they show up, right? And they have, again, what is one of the most lackadaisical, slow, boring, but so long fight scenes. It's like the fight scenes are as long as they are in Man of Steel without any of the good special effects. So it's just like people gradually being knocked over by pillars or being slapped (laughs) or occasionally being kicked in the groin. And it's like goes on for like four minutes, but then he's like, "You will bow before us." And the president's like, "All right." And then the president gets everyone else in the world, all the other world dignitaries, to be like, "Yeah, I guess we'll all surrender too." The fuck? We can't get anybody in the world to do anything we want. All of a sudden, they're like, "Well, I guess America's scared of this dude with a goatee, so I guess we're all done." The president, the president's excellent plan of make Carl, who just runs the hot dog stand, sit in his desk. And then pretend to be the president. It just didn't work. So then, I guess we're all done. I do love, too, he's like, you're not the president. No man who leads so many would give up so quickly. And the president's like, it was me. And was like, well, okay, hold on. He, they weren't even threatening to kill that guy. But then the president comes up. He's like, I'll kneel. It's like, well, wait, 
This guy just said that the person who was the president would kneel that quick. The only reason you were slow is because somebody else was pretending to be you. You instantly give up too. I want to point something out, Pokes. Here we are. We are. We are in need of ending this episode, and we haven't mentioned that Lex fucking Luther is in this movie. Why is he in this movie, Pokes? I. They introduced Lex Luther, in like all right. It's like let's see, dude. They introduced Lex Luther before the Niagara Niagara Falls scene. He appears once during the Niagara Falls like scenes, and then disappears for like forty minutes. And then just abruptly shows up after Zod has taken over the planet. So you've got a gist of the plot if you've not seen Superman 2. So I want you to understand that, that, that he is found in... He, we open on him in prison with his Jar Jar Binks character, Otis, who is the most fucking annoying, useless tertiary character in the world. Uh, thankfully, Otis is, is literally and figuratively ejected from this movie by being kicked out of a hot air balloon, which is somehow... No, no, I'm sorry. I want to cover how fucking dumb this escape is. <laughs> Real quick. Oh my god, the escape is so dumb because at one point in time, they're literally caught in a spotlight and the guy doesn't stop. Like, no. it's like, no, you know, like no, those, like, it's like, worse like, than that. When you watch like Escape from Alcatraz, there's like the scene where the spotlight comes and they all lay down so no one can see them. It's as if they just kept standing there and are like, if we don't move, they can't see us. The guy running, it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Even better is Lex Luthor is supposed to have the intrigue of being, like, the anti-Iron Man. He's supposed to be incredibly smart, well-funded, like, he's a technical wizard. He's supposed to be all that stuff. So we get a piece of that where Lex appears to have collected the pieces to build an accurate replica of some sort of holographic device, of kind yes. of technology that doesn't even exist now, yes. where he's able to perfectly replicate him and Otis playing poker in their cell so the guards won't necessarily know. The the the, the part B of his plan is just to get in a balloon. Like, yes. what plan is that? And gradually float away. These men on the tower have a gun. They are in a hot air balloon. There is no way they cannot shoot them. <laughs> I mean, just... Aim for that balloon. Just start shooting the balloon. It'll eventually come down when it has... FYI, the balloon isn't silent. You have to pull that fucking cord and make the fire go every now and then. Also, yeah, how hot air works is there's a flame. (laughs) So it's not the best sneaky-uppy-at-night sort of weapon. But then Lex has no plan. He takes off from jail... With with uh, whatever her name is, that he keeps saying over and over, goddamn again. Oh yeah, uh, he keeps uh, Mrs. Tessmacher, who then disappears also from this movie. Who is also? So, I thought the girl who uh, like really wanted Superman to plow her in the first one, and like rescues him from the pool where he's gonna drown. But now, yeah, she's she does. A bad guy. She's back to being a bad guy. So he could have given he, her some action, I guess. He gets in the balloon. His plan is: I know where Superman lives. So he flies to the Arctic. Everyone seems to be fine in a in a light fall coat in the Arctic. Yeah. By the way, and everyone's this is fine. Where we're introduced to the worst imitation of Gene Hackman you will ever hear in a movie. Yeah, a hundred percent. Going like this is more accurate. Like that's closer. You're not wrong. It sounds than the guy in the movie. We arrive at the at the Fortress of Solitude. He like watches a bunch of 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 Clark. Or of Superman's old emails, basically. They're just old yeah, recordings. old videos that are like, here's what you need to know about Earth. Also, I don't know why Kryptonians know so much about Earth. Like, it, it, it is weird. very far away. It is weird. So so he then just leaves the fort. You think, oh, he's here now. He must have a way to, like, become Superman 
or like or like steal his power. No, he just leaves and then disappears from the plot. Then once Zod is introduced, he's like, "Oh, I'll work with them." I'm like, that couldn't have been your plan, yeah, right? And I, I mean, like, what's weird is. Like you said, we're introduced to him having created uh, like a holographic projector and a device that lets him track these uh, alpha waves or whatever. So he knows where Superman is. He's created two ingenious devices. Keep in mind, this is the man who in the first movie was going to cause a nuclear war so that uh, California would sink into the ocean so he could get beachfront property. But not a joke. Yeah, I wish it was. And in this movie, they even bring up that he wants Australia because it's all beachfront property. Except for, you know, the large portion of it, which is uninhabited. Except for the middle! Except <laughs> <laughs> for most of the fucking country, asshole. Um, but he builds these two things. And then when he shows up later, he's just like a businessman. Like, he has no... I, they they no. start like he's a genius. But then he shows up to talk to aliens with nothing really to bargain with. Like, he's like, I can help you get whatever you want. Did you, they're in the White House, bro. They they already got it. They won. I, what do they need you for? And again, no plan. Like, what What if Zod, what if the one in a million chance of a, of a flying space cube flew into Earth didn't happen? What was plan two of, like, I took one of Superman's email crystals? Like, what even, yeah. what even is next? I don't it is crazy. Like, he doesn't learn any info. Like, it'd be different if, like, if they hadn't, you know, revealed that Superman's weakness, he gave it away in the first movie via an interview with Lois Lane that was then published in a newspaper. If he had, like, found out that, like, oh, like, if he had found that Krypton, Krypton or Kryptonian, whatever, Kryptonite, sorry, is, like, his weakness, like, then it would have been like, oh, this is cool. He's going to go tell Zod to be like, you can't beat Superman. He's been, you know... Make up some reason. Superman's been on the planet for so long, he's stronger than you because of the blah, blah, blah. Get Krypton or, and you can beat him. Nothing. They just, he basically is like, ah, oh, Superman's from another planet. Well, no shit. <laughs> like, we already how cool, how cool would it be if Lex showed up at the White House as they're, like, basking in this glory of, like, we have the Oval Office as our plaything, and he's got Kryptonite, right? Yeah, which he and, knows is the weakness of people from Krypton. He, he could have showed up in and, the first movie. And bent them to his will. How good would that be as a plot device? That but that's not what they do. Than him just showing up and almost being murdered. Gene Hackman just shows up and goes, "I don't know how I got to the White House, but I am here now, and I'm gonna because everyone quit. Did the, did the military go home? Like, yeah, what? I, I feel like everybody was just like, well, that's it. You know, we lost. <laughs> okay, so sort of like the idea at the end of Star Wars, where it's like, well, they killed the Emperor, and the Empire's done. We just all so give up." We get to this fucking yo-yo of a third act where Superman suddenly out of absolutely nowhere says Lois Lane and I have been dating for an, 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 a single human hour. And yes. it seems to be going pretty great. So I would like to she's stop being Superman. Not really me. She's actually in love with Superman. So to so show obviously... my love for her, I'm going to give up being Superman. Hey, so he seems, he like, seems to – he seems to know that this. He doesn't weigh his options either. He doesn't go. This isn't. Doesn't appear to be new information to him. No. He immediately says, "Yeah, all right, I'm out." And then here's my question: One, he doesn't ask Lois if she wants him to stop being Superman, which is real selfish in a relationship. Two, it absolutely is. Why the fuck can't he be Superman and date her? There's no like. They don't explain why. Is it like he'll kill her if they have sex? Like they never explain so, why he has to be normal. Three. I, I like what. 
I, well, I was gonna say I do like that the movie tried to play with cool themes. Like they they have this moment with like Lois discovering who he is and this awkwardness where she knew Clark Kent as a friend but was in love with Superman and she doesn't know how to reconcile those two things and he doesn't know how to reconcile being a human man and I think having empathy. This movie way too much credit. <laughs> no, no, these plot points are like buried in there. Like they played with these themes and I like that. That was the right way to go. Buried underneath jokes about how Lois Lane always wants a hot dog. I mean, well, that's a fair point. Um, but, but but then, then he gives up his powers, which is a great like arc. It's part of like the uh, uh, the the classic story circle, right? You, you chase them and you want, and then you you acquire it, but at a price, and then you have to restore your previous self from. Like it's a classic story structure. It's basic shit. But there's there's so many fucking plot holes. So he. He walks into this chamber and his powers are removed, and that sequence is weird. Like, it, yes, but maybe, he doesn't. Go he doesn't Indiana Jones like face melting arc thing. In yes, there. that shot is so weird. It's like he took acid when the film one scene. Again, same movie where someone comes out of a KFC and then loses their chicken because the wind is blowing. Same movie. <laughs> also, I love that the uh, the red sun chamber not only takes away his powers as Superman. But puts him back into his uh, Clark Kent clothes. Yeah, it's like it, it gives it, him back his glasses, and he comes out in a button up. <laughs> it fits him with an outfit. It fits him with a Gap outfit. Yeah, um, it's crazy. As if this thing could take away his powers, and knows he doesn't want to be dressed like an idiot now. You're a human now. Also, I picked up some stuff from Banana Republic. <laughs> also, when they put that chamber in, I was like, gee, I wonder if this will ever appear again. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I wonder how he'll defeat Sod. So Superman leaves. Again, again, I, I want to be clear. I, I wanted Lois Lane's first line to be when he came out of the chamber being, shoot, I just want her to be like, how do we get home now? Oh my god, that's the first thing. <laughs> they go to this weird, like, pillow bed, which looked super comfortable. I'll give you that. Yeah. But in my mind, I was like, wait, they're in the middle of fucking Antarctica, or like the North Pole or some shit. How are they going to get back? There's no road. They flew here on a man who could fly. It's called the Fortress of Solitude. It's not, like, down the street from the Daily Planet. Yeah, it's not like you can get, like, there's, like, a subway stop nearby. He's literally, like, thousands of miles away from the nearest city. And he's In just fact, like, well, we'll just stay here and hang out. When he returns to the Fortress of Solitude, which is, like, ten minutes later, oh. uh, he he's hitchhiking. <laughs> yes, which made me think, is the Fortress of Solitude <laughs> just in Alaska? Or is it just, like, a little close to the Canadian border? Like, like, he's going to pick up a trucker. Away. He's going to, like, get in the truck and be like, hey, you know that glass paradise that defines that defies all, like, mortal construction? Can you just give yeah. me a lift Where are you headed, there? buddy? Well, do you know where the least populated place in the entire Earth is? Uh, like, three miles past that. Do you know that area of the Arctic where no man can survive? <laughs> You'll see it. There's a bunch of frozen boats full of corpses of people who tried to make it. Anyway, I just need to get as close as you can get me. Like, where are you going? Oh, Anchorage? I guess I'll, I can get from there. <laughs> so he leaves the Fortress of Solitude with Lois and goes right to the first place anyone would go to, um, which is a diner. Which, <laughs> this was one of this is one of the little things in this movie that just made me think, wow, nobody proofread this like revised script at all. She's like, see, I told you there was a hot dog place, which I don't know what the deal is with her obsession with hot dogs. Nope. But then they go into this diner, and she orders a hamburger. Why did she want to stop <laughs> the hot dog place? That's, that's a major plot hole. 
That's a major plot That's hole. That's where I was they, at, guys, in this movie. So little is going on that I'm I'm paying close attention to her order in which she also gets a Coke and wants it right away. Don't forget the menu I noticed said that you can get hot liver, comma, onions for 40 cents. So that's pretty, uh, pretty good. That's gross. Then a man well into his 60s comes in and <laughs> Clark Kent tries to start a fight with him. Look, Christopher Reeve so is... Bad. Clark Kent is still an intimidating figure. He's very tall. Here's he's got problem. broad shoulders, and he's ripped. It's like he lost his super strength. He's still in fine physical strength, and he knows how to fight. Like, he, he knows how to fight when he's Superman. That doesn't come from the sun. Uh, he goes to fight this guy, and ha- his plan is just to stand there until the man hits him. As if, like, because, like, he comes up, he's like, we're not done yet. And then he just stands there. I was like, bro, you're not good at being in a fight at all. Like, don't walk back up and then wait for the dude to elbow you in your dick. He gets beat like pre-Spider-Man Peter Parker. Like, he is, like, uh, being bullied in high school is what that fight is like. It's really Again, this good. Is, this is like a, at best, 30-year-old man in good physical shape, probably six foot, versus, like, a 65-year-old trucker. <laughs> I mean, and this guy is not intimidating at all. He just looks like an old trucker. It's crazy. And, like, nobody at this bar or this restaurant likes him. They all think he's a piece of shit. And I'm just like, what? Does this guy have, like, a set route that he drives by this place that appears to be just outside of the North Pole? (laughs) Okay. So we got a lightning round, our last notes about this movie, before we go too long. But there's a couple of things we – I know that people who see this movie will need us to talk about. So this movie – and the pre-CD movie, so three and a half hours of cinema footage, plus, plus, like, straight up 30 years of comic book history, have firmly, pretty firmly established what Superman's powers are. Oh, yeah, you're going to talk about the fact that Zod has a whole range of new powers? As does Superman, actually. In the final sequence, to, to run them down, Superman takes his own symbol off of his chest... It suddenly becomes a twice-the-size cellophane cutout, which he throws at Nan, who then gets knocked to the ground, and then just gets up. Yeah, like, it's, it not, doesn't... it's not an effective weapon at all. It's more of an inconvenience. Would... When it hits him, he screams like he's being, like, wrapped in plasma that's, like, searing his flesh. Well, I thought but he, he just... was gonna, like, wrap around him like it would be, like, saran wrap, and he wouldn't be able to get out. It's like, oh, that's it. And he just got up, and I was like, oh. It would be weird. like... It would be like if my wife came home and I just threw, like, a blanket at her. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. what it... Like, from the stairs. Like a big, thick blanket. I'm talking, no, like, a like, little summer quilt. Yeah, like, if I took a quilt and just whipped it at my wife from the staircase, that was what that scene was. And then she would just get up. She wouldn't even get knocked down. She would just be like, why, why did you do that? That didn't do anything that you... That didn't do anything. I want a divorce. <laughs> yeah, that was what would happen. Then, suddenly... The Zod and his friends teleport across yeah, the room. That then Superman teleports. Well, Superman's then not they all. I thought it was supposed to be Superman had created, like, was using the the crystals to make duplicates of him, like non-existent duplicates, like holographed, like his mother's a hologram. Also, that's happens. what I thought was supposed to be happening. But we also have been covered the fact start disappearing, and I was like, "Why? Well, fuck all! I don't know what the hell's going on now." We also haven't covered the fact that Superman has his powers back and the movie didn't touch it oh well didn't you see he found that green crystal powers back bro 
He finds a green crystal, and the arc, the most important arc of the entire third act of him losing his powers, is just ignored. He it's, just gets in a fight with them in the middle of... It's <laughs> for about five minutes. And, I mean, you want to talk about a person who has buyer's remorse. He becomes human. They drive to a hot dog stand instantly. He's like, I can't protect you now, Lois. It's like, well, no shit, jackass. What did you think was going to happen when you weren't impervious to all harm? You, you've been face-to-face with the most criminal elements of the entire globe f- since you were a teenager. You know what's out there. Yeah, I mean, what? like, you know people try to shoot you all the time, and the only reason it doesn't work is because you're super <laughs> You also know that Lois gets, like, f- falls off, like, a building, like, once a week, Oh, right? yeah, she's dead within a month of them starting the day, <laughs> hands down. She's gonna call you from, like, the top... Of like 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 Big Ben and being like, there's a there's two bombs here. <laughs> You're just gonna be like, I don't. Ah, Jesus Christ! There's no elevator in Big Ben. <laughs> there's there's two hydrogen bombs. I don't know what to do. Ah, great. Well, I guess it's okay because I would have just thrown them in the space and freed two more prisoners flying by in their convenient to free prison. Then Zod and his friends in the Fortress of Solitude all point their fingers and make gun lasers. Yes. Also, not a Superman, Superman power. Them. They also have the ability to, like, make things float with their minds, which is yep. not a Superman power. No, they don't have telekinesis. But all of these are suddenly revealed in about four minutes. Like, they, just, they all come flying out into this last final sequence. I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, and then, it's already exciting to watch them, like, super punch each other around. I know the effects are bad, but theoretically, it's already a perfectly good fight. Why? Why we this? Like, why did you suddenly in the script writing process? Is, all right, who thought of a power that Superman doesn't have? Because let's get it in there. It, it, it's like it, too. What's shocking is Superman has literally most powers. Like he can fly. He can shoot lasers out of his eyes. He's super strong. He can't be hurt. He's good at fighting. You know, he's like all this stuff. And they were like, mm, not enough powers. Yeah, like Batman doesn't have shit. He doesn't have a power. And they make a movie about him. This movie was like not enough powers on Superman. He's not fast so, enough. So Superman tricks uh, tricks Zod and his friends to, I, I guess, use the wrong crystal? No, I still no, don't get... I, I, I assume that I think what's supposed to have happened is when he had the Fortress of Solitude rebuilt using that green crystal, he had the, he had the whatever, the computer in the fortress, reverse it so that only whoever is inside the chamber is safe. I think is what... I mean... Fuck, it could be anything, man. <laughs> they don't describe it. That's what I took it as, was the rebuilt version, he did something to it. It's, okay, it's it doesn't make any sense. It's not even worth covering. But and then the... he straight up murders three people by dropping them into a frozen abyss. Which is like, don't have that in your home, dude. Yeah, also, there's a chance they didn't die from the fall. Those people are just going to freeze and starve to death. Is that really in your home, like, you you have food there. You established that earlier when you served Lois dinner. Well, he flew and got groceries. Oh, right. That's true. So you eat there, I guess, Well, sometimes. he doesn't need to eat, he says. Oh, all right. Yeah, there's a lot of things that they don't really explain. Like, he I'm has just a bed him. there, but why does he need a I'm, bed? I'm just picturing him, like, coming out of his, his bed. Yeah, why does he have a bed? I picture him coming out of his bed in the morning with, like, coffee and, like, putting it down and then, like, falls off a table and, like, into the abyss. He's like, oh, shit. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was my favorite monk. <laughs> I yeah. shouldn't have this abyss here. It's also, too, like, he builds this Fortress of Solitude, which is all these crystals. And it's like, I get he can fly, so maybe he doesn't need stairs. But, like, how about a table? Or a chair? Like, he just has to hang out while he's... Like, it's just very bizarre. You know, in the comics, the Fortress of Solitude is... It has, like, a bunch of crystals in it, yeah. But it looks like a building. Like, it has 
doors and steps. It's and not. It, it's a not place a mist- you want to hang out. Not just a it's, frozen wasteland. It's like a misty cave. <laughs> it's very strange. It's like as if they made the back cave and just spray painted it white. Yeah, it's just like a it's just like a wet cave that he like sits in. <laughs> and it, I feel like too, the crystal's a dick because like they show that like when normal people show up, there's like no way for them to walk around. I'm like, this crystal's a real prick. Like they could even <laughs> at least put in like st- like stair steps, sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they show they show Lex has like scrambled down. <laughs> yeah, they're all well. Lex is uh-huh. anyway. Hey, guys, I've heard of parachutes. So this movie. Is worth every minute, right? No. Is it worth nope, established? Real quick, <laughs> before I know we're running a little long. We got to talk just for like two minutes. All right. The end of this movie ends in a climax of you know you saw Man of Steel. They destroy Metropolis. Millions of people die. Everybody's mad about it because they're like, why did Superman let all these people die? In this movie, people cannot get to the scene of three superhumans fighting each other quick enough. Any person who died in the crossfire in this movie deserved it. <laughs> like, they, they yeah. Just a favor. During the major fight sequence, people people arrive like in greater numbers, even though superhumans are crashing buildings down on top of them. It would be like more if, show up. I mean, this is a horrible thing to say, but it'd be like if during nine eleven, people were like, "Run towards those buildings!" Like, you know, what I mean, like, there's something terrible is happening. Don't go towards it and just hang out on the street. But then there is like this Benny Hill moment where all th- where Zod, Ursa, and Nan all start like blowing to create like a super wind, and I was like, oh! And everybody thinks Superman's dead because they threw a bus at him. I was like, well, yeah, like he's been beat up way worse than that in this fight scene. A bus I, gingerly pushed him into a building, and they're like, well, he's dead. I, you forget he caught a nuke in like the last movie. Yes. Like, relax, guys. He's all right. It's crazy. But, but then so they're like blowing, and all these people, all this stuff is happening. And this scene is, it, it's gotta be, it feels like it's five minutes long. Like you said, there's a guy who's holding an ice cream cone, which is clearly just uh, shaving cream, but it blows off and hits another guy in the face. There's a guy on roller skates who's being blown backwards. There's a guy, there's two people, two separate jokes of people in phone booths that get blown over and blown away. Yeah, there's two phone booth jokes, like in succession. My and favorite is like just. A mannequin, like an insane person. He's like on the phone, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, weirdest reaction yeah the phone booth has been knocked over it's no longer attached to anything and it's being blown away and he's just like still in it just like like yeah having a conversation with no one the best part insane conversation he's definitely not talking to anyone the best part is a grumpy old couple comes out of a branded kfc like it's a kentucky fried chicken like logo and everything they step out with a box of chicken, which immediately gets taken by the wind. And they go, oh, damn it. And then they get blown away. And then a second later, there's a second gag when the KFC like lady comes out and was like, you forgot your receipt? Oh! Yeah, I mean, it is crazy. And then there's the – there's a scene – I'm like, just like back to back. Like it is a straight Benny Hill sketch. It's just like all oh, the yeah. zany stuff that could happen. There's firemen who are trying to put out a non-existent fire. And the hose is just blowing everywhere. A guy walks out, and, like, the woman's hair blows, and his toupee flies off. And she's like, my hair! And he's like, what about mine? And it's just, like, all of these jokes. And it's not like – it's just weird. Like, they're not – everybody's falling over, but no one's really being hurt. And I don't get what Zod and them are doing. What's the end game? To genuinely move everybody down the road? I also really like at some point, like, as Superman's fighting, someone says – Someone I'm trying to get. The, I wrote the exact the exact quote down. 
So someone says, "What a nice man!" as he's like punching Zod into a building, and then someone else says, "Well, yeah, he must be Jewish." What? I did yeah. not hear that. Yeah, like Holy it's some old lady being like, "Yeah, he must be like a nice Jewish boy or something." That's well, like, the, like I, the line. That's like the, the delivery of the line. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Wow, that is up there with the "How dare you embarrass me after my son?" And I was wondering, did, does she think it's like it's like Superman? Like is his yeah, name? Superman. <laughs> yeah. All right. On that note, on Superman. that borderline, borderline not okay joke. Would you recommend this movie to anyone else? Uh, I would recommend watching it if you're gonna like just fast forward through large chunks of it. Like, I disagree. I would say Get... you could skip the entire Eiffel Tower part. You can skip all of the stuff with Zod until he fights Superman. I mean, it's it's he's at least acting, but the people around him and the story around them are so boring. And I mean, this movie is paced the slowest I've ever seen any film. It is just so long and so boring. The end is definitely the fight is worth it because at one point in time too, you know, when Superman flies away at the end. One of them were like, hey, he's flying away. He didn't do anything. And these kids are like, aw, man, let's get out of here. It's like, well, maybe leave during the, the chaos. Like, don't, don't hang out to watch a man possibly be murdered. I, I personally would recommend the film. It is it is slow. It is badly kind of clipped back together. But I, I have to admit, it's so interesting. It's so bizarre and strange and so, like, epic with its attempts of these huge these huge fight sequences, I just think it's so funny and, and at times impressive, and I, I would highly recommend it. I would recommend if you're going to watch it, watch it the way Ben did, which is in separate viewings, not all at once. <laughs> that may have helped. And after yeah. drinking an entire bottle of NyQuil. Yeah, yeah. I, I always watch my movies that way. It's the best way. All right, well, I think that wraps up Superman 2, a, a film. Is all I'm going to say. Uh, if you'd like to leave comments, maybe you disagree with us, you can go to facebook.com slash naospod. Leave them there. We'll read them on the next mini episode. Uh, we might be trying to have a special guest for our next mini episode because uh, we were we were taken to task on our Flash, uh, <laughs> the information we gave in our Flash episode. So hopefully we can work that out. Uh, in the meantime, you can check out It's Pogues on Instagram or follow us on Twitter at naospod. And you can follow Ben at... Uh, I'm at the Disco Pony, or as always, you can check out my cool uh, social media project, The Strange Log, where I capture strange notes out of context. There we go. We'll see you next week at our mini-episode. Well, we forgot to mention that time Superman is just like a glass statue. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> <laughs>